Hello, welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. Hello, Michael, and good morning. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Very good. It's a Saturday morning for us. Um, good job we don't do this live, but uh, a bit different to do it on a Saturday morning because we've both been so busy this week, we couldn't grab the time during the week to do our weekly podcast. It was events week. Eh? I was at Saster in Paris, and you were at? Cogex. Cogex, artificial intelligence and machine learning. And, and very interesting. It's one of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, today. Go ahead, Mark. Start. Jump okay. in. I have some questions for you, but we can do them at the end. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, artificial intelligence, machine learning, neural networking, deep learning, all of these phrases that are being thrown around at the moment, um, a lot by marketing companies, um, big data. But um, I knew some people that were exhibiting at COGX, and I, I went along, wanted to have a look at it. It was being held at Tobacco Dock in London. Uh, so that's fairly near Tower Hill. Hill. For those of you that have not been there, um, first impression was great location for an exhibition. I mean, uh, a lot of the exhibitions I've been to in the past, Earl's Court, NEC, sort of giant rooms um, at complexes that have been specially built for exhibitions. No daylight. Um, when you're there all day, the atmospheres can be pretty stuffy. You know, the air conditioning and so on. This was completely the opposite. In the fact that it was on several layers, it was obviously uh, originally by the, it's by the canal, so it was a dock, so it's an old building that's been converted very well. Lots of natural light, lots of air coming in, and I found it a really good environment. So my first impressions of it were great venue, um, quite vibrant and dynamic, what was going on there. Um, as you enter, there's a couple of... Um, self-drive cars racing cars like formula one cars yeah um which was quite nice to see and generally the age of the people there was was a bit younger lots going on um I, it would definitely be an exhibition i'd go back to i was i was quite impressed it had a good feel about it it was quite lively there were plenty of people there but it wasn't too packed where you know you're squeezing through the crowds um number of things that I felt that they did very well was that they had a startup area where it was mm -hmm. very much more informal. And, and I think these were very uh, young companies where there were probably one or two guys that had got together, had got you know, some very good skills, development skills on the AI side. And I could see a lot of interaction between those companies. And you could sit down with them, they'd open up their laptop, you know, on a bar sort of area. And that seemed to be working well. And then for the slightly larger companies, they would have the more traditional booths. Yeah, classic. That, that, was, that was quite interesting. I spoke to most of the exhibitors there. Um, my, my, my impression was that where, and these were the smaller companies that were in the AI area, machine learning, 
was that they are still quite small, quite uh, new in this area. They had lots of discussion about what they could do, not so much about what they've actually done. So they are <laughs> quite young. You know, lots of we are developing this at the moment or we could do this. Mm -hmm. Very few examples of this is what we've done. Very few. And it was quite generic in when you looked at their stands. Um, it was difficult to differentiate many of them. There were a few yeah, that had been very yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it was it's what they do. Uh, it's always yeah. the same. Uh, people say what they do instead of what, 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 what's the end result? What will you do at the end? Yeah, they were saying, they were saying you know, we do artificial intelligence, we do machine learning. And I, I had to have a conversation sort of 15, 20 minutes to really sort of dig down. And most of them were quite open in, in saying, you know, we're a new company. We've not, um, we've not got many customers at the moment. Um, and then there were the more established companies that are using artificial intelligent machine learning now, you know, the likes of IBM, some of the big consultancies that are wanting to have a knowledge base in this area. Lots and lots of, of talks going on. Yeah. And a lot of topics. Unfortunately, I didn't get the time to go and listen to those. I was going to go on the two days, but I just didn't get time because I had other things to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, very, very interesting. I wouldn't say that it would be. I, I, some of the some of the people there, I was asking, what's the difference between AI and machine learning? <laughs> and I got I got different answers. I wouldn't even ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. It's yeah. um, I, I sort of yeah. I I think machine learning. The consensus seems to be that machine learning is a subset of artificial intelligence. Artificial mm -hmm. intelligence is where you have technology that is able to make some smart decisions, might do some smart things like a human can. Machine mm -hmm. learning is being fed a lot of data and it's learning from that data and it's able to make other decisions. So the parameters mm -hmm. may change, but because of the data that's going through, it can change. And the neural networking is trying to create um, technology that works in a similar way to that our brain does, you know, with neural <laughs> pathways and so on. Um, but it's quite a complicated subject. You can see that it's it's very still very very and, new. And did they have use? Because that's always the thing. If they want to try and sell, I see that with the whole blockchain movement, it's always who can figure out the right use case. You can technically calculate yeah. what the impact is and then you're selling, but they're all looking for the use case. So they're asking, so, well, well, what are you doing? How can we? That's still a difficult topic. Yes, there was one stand that I thought <clears throat> did this very well, whereas the others didn't. Well, there's a couple of stands, actually, to be fair. Um, one where they showed the a system that they'd set up for a taxi company in New York where looked quite a large taxi organization and they had speeded up a visual on a monitor of all of their taxis traveling around the city and then the passengers that needed to be picked up and the number of people so it was visually represented very well and what their technology was doing was it was making the decisions as to which taxi should go where and the best route for them to get to their location and what their next passenger was in the most efficient way so but then can... again, I don't think any taxi except an Uber or one of these guys would actually spend money on it. Well, they did That's... say that they had they, yeah. this. This was something that had been produced. 
Okay. So they because yeah. I, I I used to sell with real impact analytics. We used to sell we called it data for good stuff like that. So if you would we would check it was big data uh, analytics. So you would check all the mobile phones and then you would be able to de- deduce where poverty was arising and how traffic was moving through cities, how you could reroute. And, and I mean, it was really amazing, but it was tough to find money for that. Yes. And there's oh, a I lot agree. of people that just don't want to. They they all think it's cool. Yes. But nobody really wants to spend money on it. Yes. Yes. No, you're right, and I and I think I think that's true. It it it's, it made me think all because also because we've been working. I, think I said before this white paper that we're creating, looking at the the most successful um, software companies. So we're doing we're doing this from two angles. One is looking at the unicorn software companies. So we've extracted out those unicorn, and the other one is looking at the fastest growing um, software companies from the tech industry mm-hmm. so one is the fastest growing the unicorns is the fastest growing but those over a billion so mm-hmm. that that created quite a good balance and when we went through and we were looking at for instance the the fast growth we started to break and look at the companies by the area in which they're operating only one percent of those were in artificial intelligence as opposed to, for instance, 9% in security and in security and data analytics, cloud services, that sort of thing, much, much higher percentages. So it is showing that artificial intelligence, there's an awful lot of, of marketing and noise out there about it. The reality is, and this is where you, you, you'll probably want to jump in, actual sales being achieved. It's stuff, huh? it's the use yeah. case, huh? and it's the story. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's still... So I actually was at Saster, which is a, a uh, they have a conference in the US, which has 10,000 people going. So they did their first European one, which had about 1,000, 1,300 people. It was in a very fancy hotel in Paris. It looked actually exactly when you think very fancy in Paris, that's how it looked. It looked like the opera. It was beautiful, extremely hot. Something amazing to me, you're in a SaaS conference and the Wi-Fi doesn't work. I, I always find this amazing. <laughs> and then there were so much people that, that all the, the telco networks kind of start fluctuating. So we couldn't do our podcast because of that. It was just insane. Yes. Very good conversations. And I noticed one pattern across the whole room. I realized that if you're in SaaS, you're hyper nervous. You're like ADHD. I don't know how you say it. You have this syndrome where you're like, I need to do something now. And you, you, you switch your mind every second. Everybody, the whole room was like talking and faster. And we need to, it was really hungry. So the energy was really good. Yes. But after half a day, you started thinking, good God. I mean, I'm tired, right? <laughs> yes. But again, value pitches. It could all use some work, but I've seen a lot of business because I was on a lot of tables. I've seen a lot of business happening while I was there. And you had the classic blend of a lot of VCs figuring out who would be the next unicorn, where can I invest, all these guys looking for money and then trying to sell to each other. It was a very intriguing, uh, intriguing thing. The one thing they said in the beginning, which got stuck, was that they said the next wave uh, SaaS has proven its value. SaaS is growing like crazy. You see that the valuations, every little niche is being filled in and, and they have multiple players. The so competition is rising and the next wave is going to come from India. And India, Indian companies will start pushing through in Europe because they won't be Indian. They will be focused on what European markets will want or US markets wants. That was intriguing for me. It's the first time I've actually heard somebody really saying like that's, that's going to happen next. And the, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. 
Actually, before we go into that, because this was something else that um, was on my mind because of the exhibition I've been to, what, what's your what's your feeling about how companies were representing themselves at the exhibition? I, I, you know, there's a number of things that I observe, but I'd be interested from your perspective because it it is they're there for a reason. They're wanting to generate leads and create yeah. awareness about their company and about their products, um, and. You know, this is something that the software industry has been doing for decades now. It's not it's not a new activity. It's it's no, exactly so, so so that's the one comment I have is it's although it's SARS and it's all funky and new and it's so interesting technology, the way they market it, it's like twenty, thirty years ago. Yeah. They still have a boot, they still stand there, they still attack you when you try and walk by, they still try to get you to eat candy or whatever they're they're offering. Yeah. Salesforce was there with um they were giving like um how do you say, stuffed animals away, and everybody was in line for the stuffed animal. And I'm thinking, it's so old school, all of this. The one thing that they did good is that they have an app now, and you can actually reach out to all the other participants, and they called it Brain Date, so you could actually meet people. That was very intriguing, because you could really look for the guy or girls you wanted yes. to talk to and set up meetings, and people were really uh, active. So that was, uh, for me, that actually that had 10 times more valuable than... Another boot with another scream of something vague with a pitch nobody gets and it's only about what and and you kind of talk to them because you have nothing else to do, right? Yes, yeah. I, I mean, my my observations are, and this is not just um, exhibitions in the software sector; it's it's generally as well. Is that you, you're quite often you go to an exhibition like that and there's probably a few companies, a handful of companies that you you want to go and speak to. You want to find mm-hmm. out more information. And when you get there, things can be quite confusing. You know, you'll put a guide, you're trying to figure out where are they. You need the artificial intelligence to figure out the best route for yourselves and you get distracted by other things going on. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the organization, I'd seen at a couple of exhibitions where they had grouped together companies of a similar type. Now, whether the company's there like that or not, that that was quite useful. They sort of color-coded it to help yeah. organize. Because the other thing is, when you're at a very big exhibition and you're in the center, uh, and knowing the sort of the mental map in your head where you are within that exhibition, you can quite often get lost. You know, you yeah. know, unless you're continually following this map, which most people aren't doing. So that, you know, sort of navigating your way around can be can be difficult. And I think the people that organize the exhibitions need to be better at that. And then the other thing you see is quite often there'll be maybe one, two or three companies that have really managed to capture the attention and have an impact Mm -hmm. by doing something that draws people to their stand. So capturing the attention, gaining interest and pulling people to them is really important. And some companies just don't seem to bother with that at all. They stand there with their arms crossed, you know, waiting for somebody to come and ask them a question. And that's the worst. It's like you're in a shop and you see this one guy standing in a shop waiting. Yeah, you're not going to enter. Right? It's the same concept. The 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 one thing I told you, I really liked the idea was everywhere there were little tables and people were running around drinking, eating, whatever, talking. Yes. And on these, there were a bunch of napkins on all these tables, and on these nap and on these nap, napkins, it was like written stuff and while i'm talking i suddenly get the napkin it's like ah somebody forgot his notes here right and you know you're curious so you open it up and actually it wasn't notes it was printed 
on a napkin like a free canvas thing where you had some uh, interesting value, uh, valuable information. And at the end, it said, if you want to know more, uh, go walk to our booth or see this guy. And I really liked the approach. And I saw a lot of people writing on the napkin, going there. Really, it's such a stupid, yeah. simple idea. Simple then I'm idea, thinking, why it? did I never think of this one? Yeah. Instead well, of putting your sales flyer on the table, which nobody will ever use. No. No, that is good. What what information yeah. did they put onto? Uh, they had like a canvas on the valuations of SaaS, and then okay. uh, it had it said like uh, if you're between uh, this revenue, you need about this amount of money, and this is about a team you need to have. And then actually, what they did was they would help you get investments and construct teams and do that. It was it was very helpful because everybody checked where am I in this quadrant? Okay, oh I'm doing well or I'm not doing well. I need these guys. I I need to talk to these guys. Yeah, that's interesting. So. The, that, that's that's a good way of getting people to the stand. And then once you get to the stand, something else that I noticed, some were very good at this. They would scan your badge. Yeah. On a few of the stands that I went to, I stood there. I had a conversation maybe 10 minutes. I asked them a lot of questions. I walked away, and I thought they've got no idea who I was at no. all. Didn't and, ask me. Didn't scan. And, didn't no, ask a business card. Nothing. No. And traditionally, you have competition standing there. Yes, I could have could every feature you have. Yeah, right. I mean, I wasn't, but I, I could quite easily have been. And I could gather quite a lot of information. And if I was a potential customer, they'd missed it. They'd missed that opportunity. Now, these things are obvious, really. They're common sense. But most of the stands that I see, and I'm not talking about COG X, actually, I think it was a good exhibition, but typically when you go to exhibitions, you think they could all do better. Why don't they? <laughs> you know, if it's obvious. But isn't it also sense, always last minute? Or, I mean, I see yes. our, I remember how we were doing it. We didn't pay attention and then suddenly like, shit, it's still a week to go, the boot, and yes. then focused, we're focused on the wrong things, actually. Yes. Yes. And then right. you get the motivational speech, Sales team, two, three guys, guys, okay, come on, I'm going to do this, do, do, do. I want leads, leads, leads. And then, yeah, of course you talk to everybody because we pay them to talk to everybody, even competition. But isn't, don't you think that's true of business as a whole? I, I, <laughs> now we're going to get holistic, yeah. yeah. Mark, absolutely, absolutely. I, I get that so often. And, and it's, we obviously are always trying to guide our client in the right direction. You know, to build toward that exit, so that they can get what the return that they wanted from the business, and and there are various concepts and things that that we need to sort of educate them about. But there are often some very obvious things that that the clients nodding along with us and almost sort of saying to us, you know, yeah, I, I know this guys, you know. And then when you go to the next stage and dig down and you look at their business, at these things that they know you should be done is really obvious. Don't waste my time in. But you haven't done it. Yeah. Ah, yes, but. <laughs> and then you yeah. get all these reasons why they haven't done it. But, you, but you've already agreed that it's an essential thing. It should be in place. Yeah, yeah, but we haven't done it because, or we're just about to do it. <laughs> yeah. You hear that so often. It's the pace of life, I guess. Uh, probably, because it's a pattern that repeats, mm -hmm. huh? always. I mean, yeah. I, I fall in the same trap. Yes. It's, yeah. It's, and then you're there and you're thinking, okay, I should have, I should have. Um, da, 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 da. So yeah. then that means it's a case of priorities because we've always got too much to do. Yeah, yeah. I Actually, it's funny because normally I would have not gone to Saster 
because I, I want to go to an event where I'm on stage speaking. But I was in a holiday mood and I said, I just want to listen, learn, talk, do nothing. I had no purpose of selling, which gave it a very different dimension. Mm. Um, and I, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it because you don't need to. So it means you're behaving differently. You're nicer, you're softer, you're, you're like, yeah, I'm not interested in this, I'm going to go there. Yeah, it was an intriguing one. So what was the positioning of the exhibition? You know, like Kogge, oh, sus. It was sus, just sus, sus, just sus generally. In all shapes and forms. Okay. It was a bit generic on, uh, there was a lot about sales, there was a lot about customer success, you know, typically SaaS, there was a lot of customer success. It was a lot about metrics, how do you measure, how do you grow, how do you scale, how do you... How do you uh, do HR? How do you do performance management? I mean, it was a whole breadth, but very SaaS-oriented because it has a different rhythm than most other companies. So so who's their target market? Are there people out there saying, I just want to buy some SaaS? <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it's, it's actually – so who was there? It was actually information for SaaS companies. So it means it was backed, backed with SaaS companies, so mainly startup to scale up. Not the real big ones. They were not there. I mean, they were speakers, yes. but they were not there. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say because one of the other things that um, we've we've been looking at is the acceptance of SaaS, however you want to pronounce it, with some of the more established companies. And Hmm. from a few years ago, two, three years ago, there's been a big change. Um. Looking at various various stats, I mean, on the the fast growth or the unicorn software companies, I think I'd mentioned this to you before. Hundred percent, I've got a SaaS offering, hundred percent. But you would expect yeah. that because they are the newer entries into the software tech, who have just have grown really quickly, so they would go that way. Shouldn't we ask the question differently? I think we should look at the buyers. So I yes. know they're all growing, and I know Salesforce is selling. 50, 60 million, if not higher, recurrent. But I still know so many corporates. They buy SaaS if the amounts are reasonable. But then all depending on the way they do bookkeeping, OPEX versus CAPEX, they like a lot of banks, they still they still want to have a traditional model. Yes. Yeah. And then the big question comes to me. They always ask me, say, Michael, what do we do? Because we have a fundamental SaaS offering, but we'll never be able to sell to Bank X because they want to have they won't have a traditional license. They're never going to put it in the cloud. But I think also on top of that, you'll see that the, I think Cisco, I, can't, I think it may have been Cisco uh, Global Cloud Index that they've created, looking at the growth rates of mm-hmm. the larger SaaS companies, uh, the annual growth rate for most successful SaaS vendors is a steady 30% now. Yeah, which if, which will mean no it will, it, it yeah. will attract it will attract the investors, and that means you're going to see good, more. Yeah, it's a very good model. Although I have a feeling that while we went, let's say, let's say ten years ago, we had a we we were fully going into the license plus maintenance at the eighteen percent, twenty twenty percent maintenance mode, which was recurring. We're now going the other side of the equation, meaning we are extremely going down the SaaS route. I have a sneaking suspicion in a few years this people will get tired of that and then we'll have another movement again. But for now, it's. it's I think SaaS. there's a. I think I think there's a lot of so many benefits to SaaS. I think it, yeah. I keep growing. 
there's there was another because we just, I've just been I've got my head full of the all of these different reports and stats at the moment, but it mm. relates to what we're saying is looking at the most successful software companies in France. Now, France, I would say, is probably not a country that's seen as being at the very leading edge. They've got some good technologists there, without a doubt, um, but it's not perhaps in the same way that, that you know, North America's regarded. There, they're established software vendors. So these are the, the sizable ones that have been around for some while. They've got a lot of legacy development. They've moved from... I think it was 73% of them had a SaaS offering to 87%. So 73 to 87 in one year. Yeah. That's really increased. And uh, by the way, be, one of the, yeah, go on. That, 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 and then if, you're, if you're seeing that that's happening within France and some other of the smaller European countries, that really does show what's happening. It's, it's fully accepted now. And yeah. there are benefits for those suppliers in the fact that there is uh, development techniques and there's ability for the the vendors when using SaaS to really see what their existing customers are, are using, where the main interest is, not just by doing surveys. So you can see, because they've got that ability to store those stats, where you know, you've got a bit of software that's got lots of different functionality, but what's being used most? You may also find where perhaps your design, because that's another thing we're looking at, where your design is perhaps causing your user base problems. And it's really important for the SaaS developers to get really good at that because it's unlike it was when, you know, they're buying the software from you and they're stuck with it until they go and buy something else. With SaaS, if it's a monthly subscription, it may be an annual basis. With some, it's monthly. They can just come off and go and buy something else. So it's not just winning the customer, it's retaining the customer. And to do that, you need to keep improving and developing it and making sure it fits the need. Yeah, if, true. You can't just do that by doing surveys. There was a oh. couple of examples I've seen recently where if you ask somebody what they're going to do and then you actually monitor it, it can be very different. But with this, it's what are they actually doing with our software? Where are they having problems? Where do we need to improve? That's but, 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 a very big. That's a big advantage for the SaaS vendors. But you see a trend in the in the large corporates. So they're all trying to implement the way SaaS companies do their production. Let's say it like that: how they develop, so Scrum and Agile and all that. So you really see now the big companies trying to implement Agile and Scrum even in, in traditional processes. I mean, I talk. I keep talking about sales sprints, which, which is a similar concept. Huh? Yes. It's you look to sales in a different way. You chop it into pieces. You have small deliverables, which in this case could be some content or some movies or whatever you're gonna you're yes. gonna talk about, and and you keep moving, keep producing, and yeah. and I absolutely believe that's that's the way to go. But and what you see for me is that artificial intelligence, AI, SaaS, all of that stuff will actually help you to even speed it up to ridiculous fast yes. speeds. Yes. I say that sometimes to customers. Huh? You need to look, because if I start explaining videos and some of these, they look at me and say, Michael, it's, it's difficult. And I said, I need you to find the difficult thing and then scale it because that's how you win. Because your competitor is thinking exactly the same. So I yes. had in my, in, I had in my, uh, my boot camp this, this week, I also did a boot camp, about 12 people there. Uh, and I had a very, very large, I'm not going to say which one, a very traditional large corporate at the, um, the, the head of strategy in there, 
for certain segments. She's, she, she was watching, she was listening, and I saw her thinking, yeah, but Michael, she kept saying, this is a lot of work. How do I implement this in a large corporate? And Michael, you're talking about these movies, and, and I have legal, and, and, and she started naming, and I looked at her, and I said, yes, I fully understand. But if I help a startup that needs to go after you, I will win and dominate the market for the simple reason that you cannot follow the speed I'm working at. So the one thing you have is a massive brand and a lot of power of reference. That is your power, which you need to leverage 10 times more. But you need to find a way to do this or I will be eating your lunch. Yes. Yes. And it's, she got really scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's, that's one of the reasons that we often see acquisitions of smaller companies. Of course, that's that's the whole reason yeah. why you do it. I yeah. mean, no, there is there is more reason, but yeah, it's, that's one of the reasons why you should do it. And sometimes it, it makes sense to keep it a bit separate. It's, it's, in it's, the one, it's one of the reasons why I was at Cogex. I was thinking there probably are some of these AI companies here that will fairly soon become of interest to some of the bigger software vendors because yeah, they must, they've, yeah. they've got a team of AI experts and they're not going to be acquiring them for the massive customer base they've got, but they will for their expertise. Yep. And they will for her. I mean, the idea of buying a team of people that work well together and can move quickly within a much larger organization, that's attractive. Yep. It's typically deep tech, and they call that deep tech. Yes. Those are companies that, that build something so fundamental for another company that they 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 will even if they don't have customers they will be acquired because if i'm a if i'm a big company i just want to own it i don't want to have other comp- competitors looking i need to have it to my core offering i mean yes. if i would be a bank i would be looking deep down into everything that's data mining and these algorithms to 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 find people and all the segments i would be really deep down on that and i wanted to own it yes because that's the next move right Yes. I, by the way, there was Stripe. The guys from Stripe were presenting on stage. Stripe, it's, it's one of those unicorns. They scale. It's ridiculous. And they, they scaled, actually, in the beginning. They explained in the beginning they scaled because some of their first uh, 10 customers, most of them also beca- became uh, unicorns. And they scaled along. Right? In the beginning, they were all small, and then they just scaled along because they, they take a piece of, of transactions. Yes, yeah. That's that's one of the things that um, is actually really nice being in the software sector is that um, the evidence really does now show that the software sector can be the business best business sector to be in. Now you've got SaaS, you've got lots and lots of examples of companies starting out, getting the, the fundamentals right and growing so quickly mm-hmm. and being very, very profitable. That will yeah. That will attract the investors. Um, that will also mean that more acquisitions will happen. And, you know, we're seeing that. Um, one question, and this, you know, maybe there's somebody out there listening. I've been trying and I've been looking at various um, sources. How many software vendors do you think there are worldwide? Have you ever seen a study? I actually saw a study about it. I've, and... I've seen about the, the growth rate. No, and, and we, there is a number. I heard a number. Because you technically, when you have a company, you need to register it. So every country has the registrations. I, could it be 200,000? No, that seems ridiculously. ridiculously. Well, I, I, I have I, no clue, Mark. Actually, I, you, you might be right there because we, 
we've looked at the various sources. It's quite difficult, and we've sort of extrapolated. We've got quite a big database ourselves. Mm. We've looked at various other sources. We came up with a figure of 150,000 software vendors. That seems, that seems low, honestly. Yeah, could be. I mean, just I'm just... It's a lot, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's a lot, a lot but I'm just thinking up. out loud. Yes, if you really have suffer. Up, we see, we, we get used to talking about big numbers. But statistically, if I take a company, a country like India or China, just statistically, I mean, there are so many people there. Mm. There are many. It just seems no, I mean, on a world I'm, population. I'm no, put, I, may, I may be wrong. I'm putting my hands up and I'm saying, you know, I don't know. I mentioned, I think it was on this podcast, that since 1995, there have been approaching 40,000 acquisitions in this sector. But that means, and, and, you're, and you're saying about 140,000 companies, that and means one that... Fifth, one fifty ah. figure we came up with. So, yeah, I mean, I'm putting I my hands more... up to say this, this is just a guesstimate at this yeah. stage. And there's probably more. But then, you know, when you're starting to look at all of the, the really small companies... You know, some of the companies that we saw at Cogex where you know it's one guy or two guys yeah, together. Yeah, that's where the volume very, is. Huh? Yeah, that's difficult to know. But, um, but still, it's a they are to start registered, with. Mark. Technically yes. speaking, it, it's going to be tough to compile it. But, it uh, is because there's no one universal way of registering. You know, all the no. different countries work in a different way. So that is tough. Um, and talking of numbers, the number on the time for our podcast yep. is up. We're at nearly 33 minutes. Yep. So, thanks very much for today. I'm, I'm glad thanks we managed to get together eventually, <laughs> even if it is a Saturday morning. Yeah. So I'm going to go off and do some fun things today. Um, this is the Bossit Podcast. Please subscribe. Please give us a review. Let us know what you think. It'd be great to hear from you. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you.